Welcome, dear friends, to Kardec Radio at 11 p.m., nourishing our souls with one more Immortal Messages. Immortal Messages is based on the book Psychophonic Instructions. Through Chico Xavier, several spirit authors brought to us this message that is unprecedented. Yes. When you and I are coming across is something that has never been brought before. Mediumistic meetings like the one you can see here in this background made this beautiful picture that was a drawing and was copyrighted by Versace Editor in a beautiful DVD. This beautiful background shows to us the meeting. Chico Xavier, one of the mediums, other mediums. Arnaldo Rocha is one of the, um, as you can see here, Arnaldo Rocha, the, the very director of the meeting and counselor of the spirits and many other supporting mediums, spirit counselors in the illuminated spirits. As you can see, May May, you can see here, manual. So you are going to observe that at the end of these rescue meetings, there is, there are communications for illumination. Clarifying doubts, giving warnings, advices, encouragement, and this may be totally transformative. I know much of this message we have been heard, been hearing for 2000 years since the Christ. But you know, and I know, because the spirits are telling that through effort, repetition, effort, repetition, effort, repetition, we evolve, right? Yes, yes. And here we are, I'm laughing at Gabriel Inácio, always so funny. He's saying he's ready in the future, it's midnight. Yes, in Brazil, you're right. We're in this beautiful network here in so many states in the United States being connected. We also have here uh, the beauty of having people in other countries as well. And we're all together in this. Today, we're going to talk about a message that is titled Justice. When we hear the word justice, many people are like shaken up. Why? Because we need to walk the talk mm -hmm. or else. So are you ready for the message? I think you are, right? This message came from a spirit that was being assisted for a while. And now he's allowed to tell his story. And why is he allowed to tell the story? Through Chico Xavier, okay? Through Chico Xavier, he's telling us the story. Cesar Arnaldo Rocha that he came on May 12th, 1955. And the spirit benefactors allowed him to speak. So you see, the spirits don't come and speak through us. Ah, me next, and boom, jump. No. Our spirit guides, actually, they're managing it, especially when you are a very disciplined medium, like Chico Xavier. 
coordinated by the benefactors, comes José Augusto and speaks through Chico Xavier. And now you and I, firsthand, are going to receive the message. You ready? Uh, no, Gabriel Inácio, more than ready. Let's go. He was a doctor on earth. Doctor who killed his father. Why? His story is moving, says Arnaldo Rocha, and exalts justice and invites us to reflection. All right, now we go. He begins by saying, friends, attending your circle of prayers, I offer you my case as an element of exaltation of justice. Pause. It's a mediumistic meeting, but all the spirits refer to this meeting as a circle of prayer. Have you observed it? Hmm, there are many mediumistic meetings that cannot be characterized as so. Why does this one fit in the category? Because they really were prayerful. So we need to be asking ourselves when we're doing mediumistic meetings, if we are keeping our hearts, our minds in this prayerful mode. Here, he talks about the circle of prayer and he talks about the importance of justice. This message reminds us of justice. When you go to the Spirit's book by Allan Kardec in its third part, we're gonna find the divine laws Kara Correa is conducting that study law by law, right? At 6 p.m. Eastern time. And it's the study of these laws, the law of justice, love and charity. It's one law. There's no justice without love. There's no love without justice and charity. Kardec asked the spirits, what is the definition of justice according to the spirits? And the answer is to respect everyone's rights. Wow. And we say, am I being just? Assessment question for all of us here together. Are we being just in our lives? Are we respecting people's rights? Their ways of being. Food for thought, let's double check, because we are reincarnated to learn to do good. Exactly. Yes, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I reincarnated to learn to do good. And one good is to be just to respect people's rights. Look at Jesus Christ. He saw Judas confused, conflicted. He tried to help. At some point, ends off. He's seeing Judas making a movement that is way off. What does Jesus do? Respect. 
is right of doing what he did. Knowing that it's going to affect him and everyone else. And we respect it. See how far we are from being just? Next time we claim, I am just. Say, not yet. You need to do better. And José Augusto keeps saying, needless to say, I'm nothing more than a poor, discarnate sufferer seeking peace within myself. I once wore an indolent doctor. This way so unfaithful to the mandate of the world had given me. I was the son of wealthy parents. I lost my mother very early on and she was stolen by death. Thus conducting all the attention from my father who was unveiled to see me happy. As a result, even after my marriage, we lived together. And my father devotedly cradled my three little children in his affectionate lap. We lived in peace, but laziness drove me into the habit of gambling in the late night sprees. Okay, hold on a second. I know you're like, Vanessa, give me more. No, we can't. There are some elements here we need to evaluate. You know why? Because this message is not short. It's a medium size, let's say this way. So he says here, he was an indolent doctor. He was lazy. He used to gamble. How many people? Nowadays, there are people gambling through video games. What is it? Addiction, yes, it is addiction. And laziness, yeah, laziness. Is laziness a problem? Yes, it is. How do we know? Law of work, law of work. It's a huge problem. It's like stagnated waters. It's going to become putrefied. Now we're gonna see how. His laziness is going to become a vortex of crime. Pay attention. And because I have leached my paternal fortune, dissipating it, I let the thought of parricide come to my head. Parricide means killing the father. My father was a hypertensive elderly person, and his death would take me to possessing a large inheritance. Thus I nourished the purpose of quietly murdering him. Out of nothing, because he was gambling, he needed the money, he wanted more money, his father was loving to his children, was always loving to him, and yet, his father was nothing more than a bag of money for him. Thus I nourished the purpose of quietly murdering him without any more scruples. I saw the opportunity as the, as the beast watches over the opportunity to throw itself 
at its prey. One morning, my father fell helplessly to the floor as he tried to fix our large wall clock, injuring himself on one wrist. For many days, bandages marked his wounded arm. And in allowed cruelty, cruelty, I thought that the occasion had risen. At a time when I complained of vertigo, I did not hesitate. I applied him a soporific, and after long understanding about health, it led him, I led him to the bathroom for the bleed that his organic state recommended. The patient obeyed without any reluctance. It's so sad to hear this because the father trusted him deeply. I waited for his nerves to soften. And as soon as I saw him softened, I opened his veins. My father, however, reading the weakness, wickedness in my eyes, though half blind by the anesthetic section, still found the strength to say in my ears, do not kill me, my son. Though excited in the condition of a doctor, I prepared his cadaver, replacing the bandages. But remorse started overwhelming me. I did not inspire the slightest distrust to those around me about my unqualified offense, yet my life changed. Recognizing that the perpetrator is mentally trapped at the crime scene, I felt handcuffed to the fateful restroom. Obsessed with that room in our house as a madman, day and night, I clung to it, listening to my father pleading painfully, don't kill me, my son. Noticing my dementia for two consecutive years, my family resorted in vain to distinguished colleagues, to prayers, to moral and physical help. And precisely when deciding on the inventory which would give me the valuable state, behold, as I was bathing, I suffered the rupture of an honorism that forced me to discriminate. Just like my father, I said goodbye to my body in a bloody bath. Remorse, hammering my skull, had painfully struck over my heart, shortening my departure without allowing me to touch the richness gained through my wicked insanity. I concluded that I had simply contended for the gold-framed hell because I cannot describe to you the torment to which I was submitted without remedy. Narrating you my misery is impractical in human words. All great commotion lies unmanifest in the spirit. For the word on earth is but 
a limited symbol that never defines the greatest states of the heart. I tangled in time without knowing how to calculate it. <clears throat> was I still in the bloody bathroom or was it persevering inside of me? As I asked myself such a question, as I continued to stare my father in the red water, hearing his unforgettable plea, don't kill my son, don't kill me, my son. I sought to escape from myself, to annihilate myself, to die again, or to take refuge in the hell idealized by the Catholic theology for non-existent ashes or outward flames would be a blessing confronted with the martyrdom that plagued my conscience. My own tormented imagination was my prison. And from this jail, my thoughts went beyond shaping the creations of my remorse in remissive suffering. A moment came when godly hands brought me prayer. A moment came when godly hands brought me prayer. For almost three years, I have shared your prayers and studies, and I have heard the word of consolation and help, along with the afflicted and desperate delinquent and suicidal, crazy and sick, obsessed and obsessing, who came out of the flesh through the false door of imbalance and out of the illusion and every regenerating note, I removed the threads with which I wove my appeasement and renewal tunic. I have learned to humble myself and to wait. I seek to turn belated repentance into timely prayer. And when I could plead with our friends, I ask the happiness of seeing my victim in order to beg forgiveness. I always assume that my father hated me and that his thought persecuted me claiming punishment and revenge. However, our instructors made me recognize that I was punished only by myself, that the image of my dying father in the terrible bathroom was the fixation of my soul within the inner frame that my thoughts vitalized in constant remorse. Supported by the loving benefactors of our lives, I was drawn back to the presence of the one to whom I had been the object of immense worship. All divine mysteries of heavenly wisdom. We entered the vast office of an industry manager and there after so many years, I found my father in a position similar to the one in which we said goodbye. He was the same man in physical maturity with the halo of the experience of incessant work shining his lucid eyes. 
Above the great forehead stood the ancient oil portrait, my portrait. My old father had been reborn from the marital union of one of my children without material fortune since I was replaced at home by a man as addicted and rude as I had been and learned in the rude school of personal effort to live with dignified work. In the earthly order, my father had been transferred to the condition of my grandson. At a glance, I caught my thoughts. I caught his thoughts. He felt affectionate attraction and inexpressible love for me. He wished to have the grandfather he supposed he had no knowledge of. I had feelings for my picture and respected my name. He prayed for my peace in the land of the souls and enveloped my presence with radiations of intimate tenderness. Weeping spurred me in spurts of joy and gratitude. I wanted to throw myself into his arms and be reborn in the keen fountain that fertilizes his family field. This happiness would now be too sublime for anyone who is so unfortunate, but I will be his faithful servant. I will rise in the world among those who obey him. I'll be able to shine his shoes, set his table, and call him my Lord. This, thank God, is my greatest happiness. Friends who still enjoy in the flesh the divine treasure of knowledge with Jesus, consider the richness that congratulates you on the way. And for the much I have received from others, I ask the Heavenly Father to protect and bless us. Said, beautiful. So much learning. As you and I breathe in and out to absorb the story of Jose Augusto is the story of a criminal person. We talk about the suicides. We forget that the, the ones who commit crimes, they don't have an easier life either. Mm -mm. Similar. They keep rewinding the tape, rewinding the tape, the right, re and you see soon after they commit a crime, they, they can't be at peace. Read Andre Louis' books. When you have cases after cases here, we've been studying in the book Immortal Messages. In Memoirs of Suicide, through different mediums, the story the same is the same. You commit a crime, you're still incarnated immediately you start feeling remorse. And throughout that remorse, dementia, mental illnesses come next. And if not mental illnesses, some form of physical illness, gravitating to death, from death, disturbance in the afterlife until they're being rescued. The beauty is that we're not going to burn in hell. The beauty is that we're not forsaken. 
he says. He says here that he spent, he said, after death, that at some point, godly hands brought me prayer. And he spent three years going to the mediumistic meetings, like going to a psychiatrist, psychiatric hospital. Because he describes here, he's there, he's listening to the stories of others. He's being treated, he's learning. Three years in a mediumistic meeting. We wish people understood the gravity of mediumistic meetings, the seriousness, the commitment, and the, and the inner push to really, really be at the level that the good spirits need so we can be the, the grounding element for the good spirits to do all this work. I'm still surprised to see how many people study spiritism and forget that spiritism without spirits, it's mere theory. We need to study mediumship. We need to practice mediumship. Why? Because mediumship is life. Mediumship is life. You and I, if we don't work at that level of ourselves, we're missing a big chunk of our lives. Why? Because we're spirits living on earth. But we're constantly communicating. No matter if we are in the center or not, we're constantly absorbing. And if we don't know how to deal with this, we are going to get sick. We're going to be imbalanced, unbalanced. So we need to understand it and work on it. First step, study it. And study is not about one page, one book, several books. Very soon, we will bring to Cardiac Radio more studies on mediumship. We will. But before we get there, huh? shall we, friends? Before we get there, this is about mediumship. The circle of prayers. Prayer is essential. What else? We need a team. Three people. What else? We need understanding of what it is. And we need, and we need to have a lot of love in the heart. What if we ask this question? What if José Augusto 
were not rescued through a mediumistic medium because many spirits don't have that opportunity. He would be reincarnating without much clarification. And in some cases it happens because now he's going to reincarnate, as you saw, out of that family, he's going to be an employee. Next time you look at your employees, your colleagues at work, your boss, think about it. They are family. They are family. And if you are asking what is the exercise that the spirit mentors of this program are asking us to do, this is the exercise. In the next 24 hours, you're being asked, and I am being asked, we're being asked to observe our spiritual ties with the people we work with. Okay? That's the exercise. We are going to meditate on our relationship with those whom we work, with whom we work. We're going to observe. We're going to recognize that it's not by chance that we're here, and we're going to think about José Augusto and say, oh well, what is my, what is my loving duty? Or loving that, as Emmanuel says in the book, Harvest of Light. Loving that? Hmm? What is it? I need to meditate on it because that's justice. Kardec says, and it's in the book, Heaven and Hell, that there was a servant who was beloved by his boss. He loved him. One day, the servant goes and takes a vacation, and in that vacation, he suffers an accident and dies. The man is distraught, talking to Kardec. They look at a meeting. They come to know the reason why that man was suffering so much. Because in a previous life, that servant was an actual adopted son of this man. But he abused, abused the resources. He vouched in his repentance to reincarnate and serve, and serve that man. So let's take a look at the ties of our workplaces, the bonds that we've created there, and recognize that this actually a relationship that shall be sublimated 
in the waters of work. Because in the past, when we were in the same family, we dropped the ball, to say the least. Okay, drop the ball. All right. Now, this man killed his father because, look, laziness. Go to the book, Our Daily Bread by Emmanuel. Chapter 67, Ill Will, meaning Ma Vontade, Ill Will. And I said it in Portuguese because sometimes like Ill Will, Ma Vontade, yes. And he says that when we have Ill Will, we find darkness. And he's going to say a cascade of events until we reach crying. This is what happened here. And I know people who have children at home, young adolescents, and also husbands, wives who are in the waters of laziness, gambling, gaming. And they think, yeah, it's harmless. It's not. Because that laziness it's a vessel for the forces of darkness. You never know what's going to come next. I've seen not one, but more than one stories of teenagers who are gaming addictively. And when parents ask them to stop, some of them almost committed a crime. Emmanuel says, laziness, ill will, indolence leads us to crimes at some point because of our connections. He was not alone. And now we're going to talk about remorse. The minute we make that decision out of ill will, the next step will surely be remorse. So that's why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says, Oh, Father, please refrain me from entering temptation. Don't let me fall into temptation. Because after that, it's going to be tears and tears and tears and madness. So today, he says here, I have, to, I have learned to humble myself and to wait. So these are lessons for us. When you go to work and you want that promotion. When you go to work, and you want people to see you, people to notice you. Humble yourself and wait. Don't cultivate that sense of sadness. Don't cultivate that sense of inferiority. Understand. That's what he's saying. And he says, I seek to turn belated repentance into timely prayer. 
to fight against remorse is so hard. Only a lot of work in the good will do it. A lot. And in this case, prayer is also so important. Did you observe that in all of these cases, prayer is a big deal? Mm -hmm. Where are we in our prayers? It's not only our daily prayers at Cardiac Radio or the morning prayers. It's in our daily, day-to-day -day life prayers. We're praying enough. Sometimes I think I don't pray enough. We need to be more prayerful. But prayerful in a way that we take action soon after. It's like a prayer and work, prayer and work, prayer and work, prayer and work. Until work becomes prayer and prayer becomes work. Just like in St. Francis. So tonight we're being invited to this one exercise. Check, check your relationships at work. Check them out. Observe. Say a prayer to your boss, to your colleagues, to your clients, to your patients to whomever, to your students, because they are coming to you through different ways. Who knows who were they in the past? A child that we abandoned, a spouse, father that we killed, a mother that we despised, that we abandoned, who knows? So I'm gonna invite you now to pray. Let us pray together, friends. Don't go away. Let's pray together so we can wrap up building this current of healing light around us, but to be emanated to those who are suffering much more than we are. There are many people in this world who do not have this knowledge and are suffering, suffering greatly. And this is our turn. Shall we, friends? Yes? We want to share the good with you. Let us pray. Let us feel our connection with God, friends. Let us feel the joy, the blessings of knowing spiritism and knowing of our master Jesus. Oh God, your mercy is so immense. Like José Augusto showed us, it's fascinating. You never punish us. Even those whom we hurt, they don't avenge oftentimes. We want to be more thoughtful. We want to be more altruistic. We're truly moved 
by this bittersweet story, this account that reminds us of our need to pray, of our need to be vigilant and always working, being useful, fighting against laziness. Please give us strength, dear God, to educate our children, our students, so they can learn about the preciousness of work, the preciousness of patience, of understanding, of no violence. And we thank you for bringing this message through Chico Xavier, transcribed by Arnaldo Rocha, published by the Brazilian Spiritist Federation. We thank you for the blessings of life, for the gift of living. We pray for the loved ones that are suffering chronic illnesses. We wish we could be next to them caressing. They are gray hair. Helping. Wherever they are. We pray for those who are in the hospitals. Nursing homes. Prisons. Shelter. Refugee camps. We pray for our neighbors. And we humble ourselves before your mercy, allowing us to be here in this moment of loving current. When we see all of our homes enveloped by your healing love, we thank you for Cardiac Radio and for the invitation to do the good always. May we stay under your guidance, feeling your protection as you give us the permission to go on in works of the good, of love, thank you, God, and so be it.
Yes, friends. It is good to pray and it is good to be together. It's good to be here, united in this ideal of learning, loving, and serving. Let us look at the people at work and recognize our family. Let's love more and be happier. We hope to be back here at Kardec Radio, where we are always nourishing our souls. Right? Thank you, friends. Until tomorrow, God willing.